Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have the privilege of hosting Chris Cheney. He's been a professional journalist for more than 20 years. He currently holds a senior clinical care editor position at Middleton, Massachusetts-based Health Leaders. Many of you may read this outstanding site, magazine, and media hub for health news, and that's where he provides some of his best work. Prior to joining the staff at HL Health Leaders, he worked in multiple roles at several newspapers in New England, including the Boston Herald, Cape Cod Times, and Concord Monitor. Cheney began his career in healthcare research administration at Children's Hospital in Boston. He holds three university degrees, including a master's degree in journalism from Boston University. Cheney is a native of the Red Sox side of Connecticut and lives in New Hampshire with his wife, Jennifer. So with that introduction, I just want to open up the microphone to Chris to fill in any of the blanks of the introduction and to start the conversation. Welcome, Chris. It's great to be here, Saul. Just a couple of words about health leaders. It's been a great opportunity for me. I've been with them for five years. It's allowed me to combine my interest in medicine and medical research with my longtime love of journalism. We have a lot of different channels for for our content. There's our our website, www.healthleadersmedia.com, where you can find most, if not all, of our content. I write daily stories for that website. I write at least three, four, five stories a year for the magazine. We also have live events that bring together healthcare executives and physician leaders from across the country, and we generate editorial reports out of those events. I'll be doing one of those this summer. Uh, We we call these uh, the exchanges. This will be an innovation exchange focused on IT and population health innovations. So I feel like I'm living the dream. (laughs) That's awesome, brother. Well, you know what? You guys are definitely on to a lot of really great things. And the different, you know, channels that you offer and the meetings that you offer. Folks, if you have not had a chance to check out Health Leaders and you're listening to Outcomes Rocket, you're missing out because they're literally just brothers from from another uh, angle doing the same things that we're doing. So healthleadersmedia.com. So Chris, let's dive into healthcare journalism. I mean, look, the topics being covered on news, radio, LinkedIn, Twitter. Tell me about what you enjoy covering most and let's hear your thoughts on it. I think the, the topic that's really captured my imagination is safety. And when I say safety, it's really across the board. It's patient safety, it's safety for physicians, nurses, and other clinical staff who face, quite frankly, just a shocking amount of danger in their workplace. It's about three, according to federal statistics, about three quarters of workplace violence occurs in healthcare settings, which I think is a very wow shocking three-fourths of of assaults, in particular non-fatal assaults, occur in workplaces and the workplace setting. So Chris, Um, just to interrupt you for a second there, so three-fourths, now is this, what's the context? Is it it patients injuring healthcare providers? Is it like, what's the the interface there? 
the vast majority of the instances are patients and family members assaulting staff staff wow. members. Is that right? Um, and I mean, there are cases of you know, domestic violence that spills over into hospitals and, and other healthcare settings, but it's it's really and the ER is a great example of that. People are injured, they're in heightened emotional states, and the emergency physicians and nurses are really bearing the brunt of this violence. And it can be anything from spitting and shoving to punching and weapons being used on uh, staff members. So I, I think it's a, a little recognized problem in healthcare that needs a lot more attention. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're bringing it up here today, Chris, because I mean, gosh, I mean, we, we talked to a lot of health leaders and, um, you know, this is the first time that it's coming up on our podcast. And uh, I'm sure the listeners are feeling like I am thinking, wow. But at the same time, that makes sense, given the context of the things that happen and how people end up in the emergency room. And like you said, the heightened emotional states. So fascinating. And you're right. I mean, we we definitely have a lot of room to grow in the safety space, making making healthcare safer for patients as well as uh, providers. So, is there a recent piece that you wrote that maybe you want to talk to us about? Yeah, I wrote a story about a month ago that that focused on how hospitals uh, can and should respond to workplace violence in their facilities, uh-huh. and. Uh, I think it covered about six or seven different points, everything from encouraging the reporting of these incidents. It's a lot like work I did on sexual assault when I was at the Cape Cod Times. If you're not reporting these incidents, you're not going to be addressing them. And it doesn't matter if you're an employer or a family member. If people don't know that this kind of activity is happening, it's not going to be addressed. So encouraging the reporting of workplace violence in healthcare settings is really the the bedrock and the base which everything should jump off of. And healthcare facilities should know the laws in their jurisdiction. There are several states that have made workplace violence in healthcare settings a felony. So it's a serious issue. I know in New York and Connecticut, for example, they've made the assaults of healthcare workers a felony. Wow. You know what? That's a good thing. Absolutely. It's a good thing because I think part of the issue, and this is just my opinion, but if I am driving in my car and I'm driving too fast, I know that I can be ticketed and that that I could pay a price for it. And I think that there's been a tolerance of violence in the healthcare setting that, hey, this patient was having a bad drug reaction, or this family member was just upset that they lost a loved one in the ER. So I I, I think that having penalties and having either the staff member that has been assaulted have the ability to to take legal action or knowing that the the hospital will back them up and may file charges of their own i think that can and will make a big difference wow you know what this is a great opportunity folks to to consider this within your own health system if you're a vendor to consider what you could do to help with the sharing of this information, but definitely an issue. And I'm glad you're, you're bringing it up here, Chris. And then I think the other safety issue that I'm really concerned about is patient safety. It's been 20 years since the Institute of Medicine report to errors human, and yet medical errors 
Fatal medical errors are still a huge problem in the United States. One of the latest estimates that I've heard is as many as 440,000 patient deaths are related to medical errors. And any other industry, that would not be tolerated. And that's per year. That's per year. Yeah. Um, Now, part of that, I think, is that we're looking for these cases much more intently than we were 20 years ago. But still, that's a a huge number that puts it up there with cancer and heart disease among the leading causes of death in this country. That's incredible. I remember just a couple months ago, and I don't even remember why I was doing this, Chris, but I think I was just like curious about obesity and and in general kind of some of the the diseases that are you know happening here in the US and chronic diseases and health uh heart health stuff and so I said why do people die across the world you know and and I saw a lot of countries that are more developed dying of eating things and you know caused by by bad lifestyle and then there's other countries that are very war ridden and uh violence is one of them but I didn't see on that list medical errors and I think it would be pretty high. Yeah, I, I think it's scandalous, frankly. If we had airplanes falling out of the sky, there'd be a, a hue and cry. You know, if we, we had uh, death in workplace, like in manufacturing, like we did 100 years ago, there was a hue and cry about that. But when it comes to, to medical errors, it is more recognized than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But I, I think the full extent of it really still isn't completely known number one. Hmm. And the full extent of it certainly isn't well known in the general public. That's for sure. So it's an issue. What are you seeing today, Chris? Work. You know, what, what are people doing? What, what have you, because you talk to a lot of health leaders, you interview a lot of people. What's working? Well, I'm really heartened that health leaders across the country in a variety of settings are really focused on becoming and making their organizations high reliability organizations, much in the way that we've seen in the uh, aviation industry to try to root out causes of error, to put in redundancies where appropriate. And there's a a lot of different things being done in healthcare that are very effective. One is in the operating room, having a pause and having anybody in the room from the lead physician to a medical assistant or a nurse be able to say, hold on a second, I don't think that tray looks right. Or hold on a second, we've got an issue with this aspect of the patient's vitals. Instead of previously, in previous generations, the lead physician in the OR was the captain of the ship. And his or her, let's face it, mostly his orders were followed to the letter and people weren't allowed to speak up. And when I think about things like that, I think, oh my God, why, why did we let that go on for as long as we did? But I, I think things like a pause in the OR, I think infection control has become much more of a top of mind issue throughout healthcare. I just did a story about, they call it a, the POKE program at Intermountain, mm-hmm. where they are, for the past 10 years, one of their hospitals has been pioneering having as few pokes, as few interventions, as few procedures on neonates and the neonatal intensive care unit as possible. And when you think about it, you think, why, why wasn't that always the way? Why were we poking the heel of a neonate in the ICU just to check that they're healthy? 
if all the other signs coming from that neonate, all the data that you're collecting from that neonate indicate that that neonate is healthy, why every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday do, do you prick that heel to gather some blood to check that the neonate is healthy when that little prick of the heel could cause sepsis and death? My God, yeah. So I think when it comes to infection control, there's been a lot of work in that area across the board to try to eliminate or at least avoid outbreaks of superbugs, avoid uh, staph infections, skin infections. I think there's a, a lot of progress being made in that area. And we've gone from a point where 20, 30, 40 years ago, you'd say, oh, well, that infection that's something that just happens. And we have to accept that 20 to 25% or 30% of our hospitalized patients are going to acquire some sort of infection while they're hospitalized. And I think there's a real questioning and reevaluation of that where people, again, like Intermount are saying, hold on a second. There's a lot more that we can and should be doing to prevent these infections in the first place. So I think think there's a lot going on when it comes to creating high reliability in the the workplace that's making a big difference. Yeah, that's a really great point. And gosh, this is a, a great niche. And I think of Mark Harrison, the CEO there. I mean, I'm a big fan. He's doing some really neat things. I know it's not all him, but they're driving some great work there at Intermountain. Yeah, they're a very innovative health system, one that I've written about several times. I know you know, sepsis is an area that, that they've been doing innovative work. Telehealth is an area where they've been doing some very interesting work. Again, thinking of the neonatal ICU, they have a telehealth service now with neonatologists, which helps keep a lot of the fragile neonates in their community hospitals rather than having to transport them to a tertiary center. And in a place like Colorado, that can make a huge difference. You don't want a very unstable neonate taking a helicopter ride over a 4,000 foot high mountain. It's just not a good idea. No, you're you're so right about that. Lots Lots to talk about here. Safety, violence in the healthcare setting, patient safety. Folks, you like Outcomes Rocket, you're going to love the folks, Chris and and what his team does over at healthleadersmedia.com. So check them out and and check out Chris's work because, I mean, it's some of the best that they have to offer. So Chris, you know, as far as kind of helping navigate the site and what people should do, I hear your magazine is pretty, pretty successful, pretty off the hook. Yeah, the magazine, as a former print guy myself, I worked in newspapers for 18 years. It's really heartening to see our magazine is still um, doing very well. Uh, We got tens of thousands of of subscribers to that magazine. I see it whenever I go to a conference. Um, I see a lot of people walking around with it. And I, I think the magazine is a great medium for a lot of healthcare leaders just because there's something about having that that print product in your hand or being able to, to you know, stuff it in your briefcase when you're traveling and just pull it out and start reading it. And it's also a lot of long-form journalism. The cover stories are at least 3,000 words long. So it's one of the few places in healthcare journalism where you can take a real deep dive into topics like high reliability, or the shift of value-based payments, both things that, I, that I've written about for cover stories for Health Leaders Magazine. So I'm very pleased to be working for an organization like Health Leaders that's been able to keep a medium, a product, a, a channel like that magazine open, because I think it's a, it's a place where you 
will see things that you won't see anywhere else. I was telling Chris folks that I go to the gym and somebody, I don't know who, <laughs> so if you're listening to Outcomes Rocket and you go to my gym in, in Chicago, thanks for leaving your Health Leaders magazine on the table because I always sit down in the locker room and I read it. Uh, <laughs> it's an outstanding magazine. So after today, I'm going to subscribe. So how often does the magazine come out? We have six issues okay. per year. It every used to months? be yeah, every two months. So it used to be a, a monthly, but even though our magazine is successful, we have had to bend to what's been happening to print, which print is in decline. Let's face it, in journalism, sure. we've lost a, a lot of newspapers, a lot of magazines. So we've changed up our format a little bit in recognition of that. No, for sure. Hey, listen, you know, getting something that's tangible, I'm kind of old school and I feel like a lot of health care people are too. It's nice, uh, you know, just to have it, like you said, roll it up and, and have it on a, on a coffee table and the work in there is, is outstanding. So, no, you know, I wanted to take this opportunity to have you on, on the podcast, Chris, to educate the listeners on the wonderful work you're doing, but also the, the work being done at Health Leaders. So I just want to give you a big thanks and uh, folks, we'll, we'll provide links to Chris is uh, LinkedIn and as well as uh, the Health Leaders website. What parting message would you leave to the listeners, Chris? Well, I think the parting message is as much as healthcare faces many challenges in this country, some of which we've discussed in this podcast, I think it's a, a real heartening time to be involved in healthcare, whether you're a healthcare journalist, a, a physician, a nurse, a CEO, whatever your role is in U.S. healthcare. It's a real exciting time. I think that innovation is as hot as it has ever been in healthcare. I think the attention to safety and relooking many of the issues that, that we have discussed here today, it's all very heartening and exciting to be a part of it. I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. And, and the shout out goes to you and, and uh, for making time for us and, and listeners. Take action. Take a look at the materials that they have over there, health leaders. And of course, keep listening to Outcomes Rocket. You'll find all the show notes for today at outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, type in Chris Cheney. That's C-H-E-N-E-Y. Or type in health leaders and um, you'll see all that there. So Chris, thanks again for uh, spending time with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 